in Judges chapter 14. Okay, we've been away from it just a little bit with our, our family conference last week, but we are studying the life of Samson. Uh, Samson is one of the most unusual of all of the judges of the nation of Israel. For one thing, Samson is the only judge who worked alone. He had no army behind him. All of the rest of them put out a call and, and certain portions of the nation uh, would come together and form an army and, and depending on the time and the judge, armies of various sizes and they would go out against the enemy. Samson never led an army. He was a one-man show. He was designed for that. Um, Samson was the only one of the judges whose birth was foretold by an angel. Um, and if you'll go just flip back to chapter uh, number 13, uh, the Bible says in verse 5, when the angel appeared to uh, Samson's mom, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. There's another difference about him. He would be a Nazarite. Uh, he was not allowed to eat any fruit of the vine in any form. Uh, grapes, raisins, jelly, juice, wine, strong drink, none of it. Um, he wasn't allowed. What a couple other things Nazarites could not do. Do you remember? Cheryl? Yeah, they weren't allowed to touch a dead body, whether it's an animal, a person, or whatever. Uh, something else. They weren't allowed to cut their hair. Now, most Nazarites took a vow, and it was for a designated period of time. Uh, Brother Tim, if you, if you were here when he was covering that, went back to the uh, book of Deuteronomy, I believe it was, where the law of the Nazarite was explained. And it appears that a Nazarite vow was just a personal thing that maybe one of us would take. Um, and we would set the time for, well, for a month or for six months or whatever, we would abide by all of the rules of a Nazarite. Uh, remember, with a Nazarite vow, if you, if you disobeyed part of it, for example, if you touched a dead body, if you, you know, whatever, uh, you know, took a sip of, of juice or whatever, it nullified that vow and uh, you either started over or there were certain sacrifices you paid. It's your vow is over. You broke the conditions of that. Samson was the only one of the judges that is mentioned in the book of Judges that was required by God to follow a Nazarite vow. It was not voluntary and it was permanent. It was from the time he was born, actually the time he was conceived because his mom couldn't touch, uh, uh, couldn't drink anything of the vine and so forth, but it was supposed to last for the rest of his life. He was an unusual man. And again, verse five says, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. For 40 years, the Philistines, that's Goliath's people, large built uh, individuals, they lived along the seacoast of the Mediterranean Sea, very warlike groups of people, uh, but they dominated Israel as part of their backsliding. Uh, every time they turned away from God, God said, fine, you don't want me to rule over you. How about the Midianites? Or, or uh, here we go, how about the Ammonites? And now it's the Philistines for 40 years. And Samson was not going to completely 
drive out the Philistines. God said he will begin to drive them out. We looked at the end of chapter 13, uh, and we saw in verse number 25, uh, 24, the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. Anybody remember what his name means? Bible names almost always had a meaning. What was Samson's name? Sun, uh, sunlight. It's a dark time. And uh, he was named Sunlight. God was about to shine his light back onto his people. The child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan. Probably a military encampment from the tribe of Dan from which Samson came from. So it appears that as he got older, he aligned himself and learned some military things. It was a part of that. And it says the spirit of the Lord began to move him. It is said of Samson more than of any other man uh, in the book of Judges that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. There are some that believe it said more about Samson than any other single person in the Bible that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now during that time in the camp of Dan, the Bible is, is completely silent on what Samson's exploits were. We have no idea. Uh, it just says God, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. But then we come into chapter 14 and we're going to see the first time that uh, Samson is going to take a move against the Philistines. Now we've given some background to this man. He's very unusual. He's a Nazarite from conception who's supposed to be all the rest of his life. Um, he worked alone. He had no army behind him uh, at all. He was not going to completely deliver Israel from the Philistines, but he was going to begin to do so. We also know from Hebrews 11, Samson was a man of great faith. He's listed by name in Hebrews chapter 11. He's a man of great faith. But Samson, to me, this is my opinion is a great puzzle. Is that true for anybody else in here? Yeah. You look at his life and you know the spirit of the Lord comes on him. You know that he had some incredible exploits. You know he's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But in my limited viewpoint, he was a very flawed person. By the way, that's not meant as a criticism. It's just an observation Tell me one person besides Jesus who's mentioned in the Bible who was not flawed. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. Uh, is there anybody in here that is not flawed? Anyone? I, I, I always say, if you're like that, I really need you to sign my Bible. We are all flawed. You realize if God is going to use anybody for anything, he has to choose a flawed person. And isn't God's mercy wonderful? Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care how we live. Um, there are some that uh, erroneously teach because we're under grace and not under law. It doesn't matter anymore. I can live any way I want and God's okay with that. That is not Bible. What shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Finish the verse. 
God forbid. Okay? Uh, Grace actually holds me to a higher standard, but the point is we need to be careful we don't get too critical of someone like Samson and allow it to make us maybe even critical of the Bible because he was flawed. David was flawed. Moses was flawed. Abraham, the father of the faithful, was flawed. But isn't it amazing how God's mercy and grace is so much bigger than our weaknesses? We're going to see chapter 14, and and, uh, it, it almost seems like this doesn't make sense in this chapter But uh, I want us to look at it through Bible eyes today. And I think if we do, we will see that it makes entirely good sense. Verse 14, and Samson went down to Timnath, south, into the land of the Philistines. Timnath was one of the Philistine cities. And he saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up went back home and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. So he's seen this Philistine girl. um, And he said to his mom and dad, I want you to get her for me so I can marry her. And in, in Bible days, almost all marriages were arranged. Uh, mom and dad picked them out. Um, you know, we talked to our kids when they, they were growing up, you know, about the fact that they had always, you know, uh, for Tim, you need to choose a girl uh, who is a godly girl. That's what you want to look for the most in the girls. It was a godly boy. And, uh, you know, we were trying to teach them, you know, uh, you know, saved and loves the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And Tim used to half-heartedly, you, you know Tim, so you won't be surprised at this saying, yeah, if you get your way, you're going to fix me up with some ugly girl because she's godly. And f- finally, I countered him. I said, no, that's not going to happen, Tim, because I don't want ugly grandchildren. And I already got you, so you're going to have to have a very pretty wife to offset that. And that sort of took the wind out of the sails. And of course, we were, we were bantering back and forth. He wasn't being defiant or whatever. The Jewish people, though, they had not only the idea of, of arranged marriages being a common practice, parents being heavily involved in their child's choice, they had some biblical guidelines about all of these things. Can I get you to keep your place here and go back to Deuteronomy and chapter 7? Deuteronomy chapter 7. Moses is reiterating the laws God had set down. And in chapter 7, look at verse number 1. When the Lord thy God, at this time Israel's still in the wilderness per se, getting ready to go into the promised land. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Let me stop there. Did Israel do that? No, remember, Tim went over it from our study of Judges early on. 
They left some of the people there that they thought were too big because they just didn't trust God to help them conquer them. Others they put under tribute and said, you know, we're supposed to drive them out. We're supposed to destroy them utterly, but we can tax them and make money off of them. And so they left them there and those very people were going to become thorns. So they didn't obey God entirely. Thou shalt make no covenant, I'm in verse 2, with them, nor show mercy unto them. And look at verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. So the, the Israelites were under very specific instructions from the Lord that they weren't supposed to be marrying the inhabitants of that land. The Canaanites is sort of a, a, a broad, broad term for just about anybody that wasn't covered by parasite, hivite, and so forth. Philistines would fall under that. Now Samson is going back to mom and dad. We're going to go back to Judges 14. He said, I've seen a woman in Timnath, and I want you to get her to me for wife. His parents weren't too happy about that. He said, then his father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people which thou, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? They're saying, why are you looking there? Isn't there anyone here? You should be marrying a Jewish girl, the daughters of your people, um, that type of thing. Um, and so his parents, they're, they're, not, they're not real happy about this at all. Um, and Samson appears rather disrespectful here because he says, and Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. So Samson's digging his feet in, telling his father, that's the one you need to make the arrangement. She pleaseth me well. Now, something we got to understand, Samson wasn't walking around and all of a sudden this beautiful girl is there and suddenly everything is going in slow motion and there are butterflies and violins playing and she's just taking her hair and it's wafting in the wind and all that kind of stuff and he's just so smitten with beauty that he's floating above the ground to her because according to what we understand in the Bible, she really wasn't that much of a looker. Look over it. Chapter 15, next chapter. We'll get to understanding the background here, but the wedding did not go off as planned. And sometime later, Samson went back and revisited things and found out that his, who was supposed to be his father-in-law had married his girlfriend, this, this Philistine girl, off to somebody else. Verse 2, the father, her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. I mean, you walked away from this. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion, to your best man married her. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? I, I point this out. In other words, there, she wasn't a real pretty girl. She had a younger sister that was much prettier than she was. So something's going on here. Samson said, she pleaseth me well. Um, 
Verse 4 is the key to this whole thing because it looks here like Samson is just a carnal, wicked man, didn't care about the Bible, um, and, and so on and so forth. And, and it's easy to get that impression. Um, but uh, there's something going on behind the scenes. Verse 4. I have this highlighted in my Bible because to me it's the key to understanding this event. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. God had a plan he was setting in motion. You'll understand something. I'm going to give you the heads up early on. Samson is never going to marry this girl. He's never going to marry her. Deuteronomy 7 said they weren't allowed to. Am I right? Okay. Samson's never going to marry this girl, but there's a plan afoot. And we find out now that this plan didn't originate with Samson. Who did it originate with in verse 4? It was the Lord. Now, we're not made privy to any conversations that the Lord had with Samson, how this plan came to be. But Samson went down to Timnath, and, and, and here's the way that it, it unfolds if you understand verse 4. He went down there. God is directing him. He's, notice, he's seeking an occasion against the Philistines. He needs to start somewhere and start his, if you will, private war on behalf of his nation against these Philistines. And it's going to revolve around a marriage situation, a marriage that will never happen, but a, but a whole engagement type thing that is going to end badly for the Philistines and give Samson an opportunity to strike out against those people who are enslaving God's people. How many are understanding this? Okay. So again, we're finding out here, this isn't Samson being a rebel. This isn't Samson being carnal. God has put a plan in Samson's heart, we know this is of the Lord and that Samson is seeking an occasion against the Philistines for at that time, verse 4, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Verse 5, then went Samson down and his father and mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Uh, apparently, as they traveled down, um, Samson... Maybe on an afternoon, somehow, Samson was, was by himself, and this lion came against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him. The word rent means he tore him in half, as he would have rent a kid. A kid is a baby goat, uh, most likely, maybe a, a, a lamb. But a kid here might represent a goat. Um, goat. Baby goats are tiny little docile things. They'll run up to you. They haven't learned how to be mean and eat tin cans yet. Okay? But those baby goats are just as tiny and fragile as could be. Um, and, uh, you know, you could kill that, uh, a baby goat in a heartbeat. Samson does that to a young lion that roared against him. This isn't a lion cub that's like a big kitty cat. Okay? This is a young lion, probably a young male lion, a rogue lion. And Samson, just the spirit of God comes upon him and he rips him up, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Now, one wrong for Samson to kill the animal, that was a matter of self-defense. Okay? It's one of those incredible times the spirit of God came on him and we see 
this, this supernatural strength that Samson had. Remember in our last Sunday school lesson a couple weeks ago, I, I think we ended with the thought that I don't believe, and most scholars, if you read commentaries, do not believe that Samson was this huge, muscular, well-built guy. Because the big question in everybody's mind was, how is this guy so strong? How is this guy able to do what he does? Um, and in fact, you know the story of Samson and Delilah quite well. I mean, they tried everything they could to find the secret of his strength. I think personally, Samson, if you ever go to Israel and you see the Jewish people, um, my grandfather and my dad's side uh, was Jewish man. When I went to Israel, everywhere I went, I saw my dad. I mean, really, my dad had the prominent Jewish features, the nose and all that kind of stuff. Jewish people are not traditionally very tall. You know, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was abnormal, okay? Um, so if Samson was, was a typical Jewish guy, uh, he might have been my size. In other words, perfect. Um, he might have just been a, a little guy, um, and, and uh, so he's out there, and he just ripped this lion apart and just, you know, threw the carcass back into the vines and so forth, didn't tell mom or dad what he had done, verse 7, and he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. There's no, no, nothing immoral going on. He's talking to the woman. When it says that she pleased him well, um, going back to verse 4, leads me to think that she, she fits into what Samson needs to do what God's led him to do. She's going to be the perfect one for, for what needs to happen. Verse 5, and after a time, he returned to take her. It's time for the wedding. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Typical guy thing to do. He wants to go back and just see what that carcass looks like. It just says after a time. We have no idea how long it's been. It's evidently been long enough for a swarm of bees to build a honeycomb inside the carcass. It may now just be, you know, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of skin and bones left on there or whatever. Like I said, it's kind of a guy thing to want to do. And he saw it and there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of a lion, verse 9. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told them, he, he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. Talk to me about verse 9. This guy goes back, he killed the lion because the Spirit of the Lord gave him the strength, the ability to do so. He comes back after a time. There's a honeycomb in there, and the Bible says he reaches into the carcass and pulls out the honey, walks away eating that, and sees mom and dad and said, hey, you got to try this, and they eat it. They don't ask him where he got it from. He never mentions the carcass of the lion. Is there anything wrong here with the picture? What's that? He defiled his Nazarite vow. How? Touched a dead animal. Touched a dead animal. Um, this means he should have gone, if he's, if, if he's going to do everything right, 
He should have gone back to the tabernacle and offered the sacrifices for ending a vow and then started things over. You don't see Samson doing that. This seems like a small thing, doesn't it? He didn't go, in this part, he's not out committing adultery. Sadly, we'll see him having some moral problems later. Um, He's not robbing a bank, is he? What's he doing? What's he doing? Getting honey out of a dead animal's carcass. He's, if you will, touching that dead carcass with something that came out of it. You know, sometimes we have an idea that as long as it's not a big sin, that it doesn't matter. That maybe as long as it's not murder and, you know, I didn't rob an ATM or something like that, that uh, it, I mean, it's really not all that big. In fact, Samson could have even said, who did I hurt? Well, he hurt the lion. That doesn't really matter. The lion was trying to kill him. Um, did Samson hurt anybody? Yes or no? No. Didn't hurt anybody. Um, you know, nobody was bruised, bleeding, battered, ripped off. None of that kind of stuff. Um, yes, he hurt himself and his relationship with the Lord to some extent because uh, knowing human nature, there's part of Samson that is reasoning here. I didn't hurt anybody. It's not that big a deal. Oh, and there's another thing here. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I didn't get caught. It's not wrong unless you get caught. No, it's wrong because you did it. Isn't it amazing how human nature works? And I'm not being, I'm trying not to be critical of Samson because I've, I'm sure I've done the same thing in my 65 and a half years of life. Well, it's not that big a deal. It's not like I did that. Oh, here's the good one. Well, you ought to talk to so-and-so and see what they're doing. You want to see somebody doing something wrong. Isn't it amazing how we justify so much, especially if we think it's a little sin? Okay, this is where the door is opening just a little bit into the flaws of this man, Samson. Back in the Old Testament, there's a verse, and I want you to finish it for me. And be sure your sin will find you out. And be sure your sin will find you out. By the way, that verse wasn't given to Israel about any of the big things. It was given to the two and a half tribes about their promise to go and help the other tribes conquer the land of Canaan. They already had their land of inheritance that they asked Moses to give them. And God said, you can have that, but you gotta go help them fight. And if you don't, if you don't fight till the land is done, then you can go back home. That would be sin and be sure your sin will find you out. It was just simply about... um, Rick misses his wife after a few months of fighting in Canaan and said, promise or no promise, I need to go home. I, I, I miss Fran's cooking. I am so tired of eating around a campfire. And he just slips away and goes home. He's fought for three or four months. The army's still out there and all that kind of stuff. It's not that big a deal. But, but Moses said, I want you to understand, you do that, be sure your sin will find you out. It has a way of coming around. Not just the big stuff, but the little stuff. So we, we see Samson opening that door. 
By the way, when you don't get caught when you did something little, knowing human nature that we all have, what does that tell us or encourage us to do? Help me out. Do it again. I didn't get caught. Nobody died. No lightning came and burned me up. So it must not be that bad. And so we're encouraged to do it again. What else? Yeah, we, we get a little bolder about things. Well, I did that little thing. Nothing happened. Let's just open that door a crack wider. And you're going to find out that's going to become Samson. Um, do you know that in the end, it wasn't the big thing? There's going, to be, there's going to be a harlot involved in his house, in his life. Yuck. That isn't what's going to bring him down. You know what's going to bring him down? A haircut. Just getting his hair cut off. Nazarites weren't supposed to do that, right? And he was told, his, his mother was told, no razor ever coming on his head. So Samson is open that door and there's this there's gonna be this idea it wasn't that big a deal nobody knows nobody got hurt and that door is just gonna open wider and wider and wider so he's given it to his parents he hasn't told anything verse 10 so his father went down under the woman and Samson made there a feast for so used the young men to do uh if you will it's it's the wedding reception they're going to have a feast and a party. And then after that, we have the reception after a wedding. They had the party first, and then they would have a wedding ceremony and, and, and everything that followed. Um, so he's, he's made a feast. That's a, a way for him to show off to her family that he is a man of some means, that he's going to be a good provider and so forth. It came to pass when they saw him, the Philistines, that they brought 30 companions to be with him. He's out of his home territory. He's come just him and his mom and his dad. He's no best man. He's no groomsman. He has nobody, uh, you know, with which have a bachelor party or, or anything. And I don't mean that in a, in a um, you know, the way that the, the word sort of means today, nothing, debauchery and that type of stuff. So the people in Timnath provided him with 30 companions. Apparently, the feast he threw was pretty substantial. If I throw a feast based on my, my budget, what I have in the bank, I know I will be there and maybe one or two other people, and that's pretty much all the budget calls for. Right? Most of you are the same way. The fact that uh, this feast was big enough that they said we need to bring 30 companions in. Samson's showing off his wealth. He's making a big impression here. But remember, God's got a plan in play and these Philistines and what they're doing is all gonna be a part of this particular plan. Verse 12, and Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you if ye can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast. That's, that's how wealthy apparently Samson and his family were, that they could feed a village or a town of Timnath for some seven days. He said, I'm going to give you a riddle, and if you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets. That word sheet means shirt. 
sort of like a, a long robe type thing, not exactly what we think of as a shirt today, and 30 change of garments. Um, and he's, he's pretty much talking to his companions here. Uh, his so-called best man that they've picked out for him is there. He said, I'm going to give you a riddle. If you can come up with the answer within seven days, he said, here's what I'll do. You're going to get 30 new shirts and you're going to get 30 garments. That's, that's like an outer garment. That's like a coat. Uh, that, that's an expensive endeavor um, that he's going to do. But he says, but if ye cannot declare it me, then shall ye give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. Suddenly this feast has the potential of costing them a lot of money. For the 25th anniversary here back in May, the church gave me a gift card to the men's warehouse. And so I went there and I ordered a suit. Um, I remember the day when you could get a suit for $99. They were on sale at the men's warehouse. The ones on sale started at $325. Guess how many at that price they had in my size. They don't have a lot in the boys section at men's warehouse um, and so forth. Uh, you know, uh, it's an expensive thing. And so he's got this riddle. He said unto them, out of the eater came forth meat. And out of the strong came forth sweetness. That's his whole riddle. That's his whole riddle. How many like riddles, puzzles, mind games, things like that? How many? Not at all. Okay. So he puts it out there. It's, it's kind of vague. Out of the eater came forth meat. You know, we know he's talking about a lion. A lion is, a, a, is an animal of prey, but he said, you know, usually they're the ones that are out there killing something else to get meat, but out of that carnivore came forth meat and out of the strong came forth sweetness and they could not in three days expound the riddle so now he's he's in a position where he's got them over a barrel they're going to be embarrassed because they can't come up with an answer it's now going to cost them and this is all part of Samson's plan because he knows they're going to be angry with him uh, and so on and so forth. We have to stop there for the sake of time. This thing's going to take a turn. And for a while, the Philistines going to look like they have the upper hand, but Samson's not done. Remember, God has a plan here. He's never going to marry this girl, so he's not violating that part of the scripture. And we're going to see Samson's first victory over the Philistines next Sunday. But please keep in the back of your mind and heart, he's opened the door in his private life. In his personal life, he's opened his door to what we might call something really little, but it's going to lead to bigger and worse things. And his downfall is imminent because we won't see him get it right with God at some point. See, when we get things right with God, we get a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. Samson's not going there. I got away with it. I don't need to ask for forgiveness. I didn't get caught. Nobody got hurt. This is no big deal. And he's hardening his heart just a little bit, and it's going to open him up to worse things. We do need to stop there. Father, thank you for the Bible.